0: what this all comes down to if we've got weight issues in our life it's like every other problem it comes back to me for the for the work i do back to childhood and back fundamentally to low self-worth so it's built on a feeling that we're not good enough thank you welcome back to another show this episode is all about how you can lose weight without diet or exercise which i appreciate will piss off all of my old personal trainers and loads of people in the health industry, which is a nice place to start, isn't it? Um, I should say up front, this is all about the psychological and emotional aspects of weight and why so many people struggle to lose weight. Maybe you're one of those people over the years, you've tried lots of diets, you've tried going to the gym, you've tried working with a personal trainer. I have witnessed people like that my whole life. And in recent years when I've trained, I trained for a marathon a few years ago, I lost loads of weight myself. There were people alongside me training and training really hard and trying really hard and not losing any weight and as i've done all the work i've done in my life and i've seen the root causes of problems this came up and i think it can be really helpful for you and for other people to understand why if you've suffered with weight problems either in the recent past or throughout your whole life this is what's causing it so for me whilst you need to train and you need to exercise and you need to eat healthily if you want to be at your very best as a human If you don't understand all of this stuff, which most people in the diet and exercise industry don't talk about, probably because they don't know about it, um, if you don't know this stuff and you don't understand it and you don't figure this out, you're always going to be fighting a losing battle. So this is all about the root causes of why you've got weight issues, if you have, or maybe someone you know would benefit from listening to or watching this this episode. It's a recording of a group call I did for free a few weeks ago. Uh, so you'll see there's there's different phases of it. There's the first part where I just talk through all of the theory. There's a second part, which is some questions and answers. And then I've actually added an extra bit onto the end, some bonus content, because when I finished, I realised there were a few different bits I didn't cover, which ideally I would have liked to have covered. So it's a bit longer, but it's worth sticking around to the end to see those extra bits. It answers some extra questions that came in after the group session as well. So hang around for that at the end. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for giving up your time to be here. I'm a firm believer that time's the most precious thing we've got. So I am uh, extremely grateful for you to all join in. Feel free to interact and ask questions as we go along. I'll I'll check in with you to make sure things are making sense. And then in my head, this will take about an hour, but I haven't practiced this. So who knows, Um, and if we've got time at the end, we'll do questions and you can you can ask me anything you want. The whole point of this is for me to, to run you through the general principles of this to give you as much value as you can get and so that you can leave with some real things that you can take away and implement in your lives. This is all about like being able to regulate your, your weight and to manage the, the root causes of what's behind us gaining weight without worrying about all that other stuff. What it doesn't do, the theory behind this would help you build on if you want to get really fit, and you know, become an athlete or become a get a six pack, whatever. It gives you the foundation for that, but that's not what it does. So what I said in, in that when the stuff you have read, I'm in like, you know, for s- slimness. But people meet me, they're like, yeah, you're, you're slim. I am probably one of the least fit periods of my life ever. I haven't trained for about two years. I ran a marathon in 2017 and every time I have to like run for a train or something like that. Now there's a little voice in my head that says, isn't it funny that you ran 26 miles in like in Las Vegas? Cause if I run like 50 yards now I'm knackered, I'll walk up the stairs and I'll be knackered. So hence me saying, I am actually about to start training again, but this is about the, the foundation below that because to, to start off, for for anyone if you've been following my stuff I know a few people on this call will have heard some of this stuff already it's re- it's really important that some of this stuff we repeat time and time and time again because what we're up against is decades of programming that we're trying to undo to replace with other stuff so if you've heard any of this stuff before it's worth listening to again we're going to go through it step by step there's going to be some exercises I'm going to give you give you to do that you can take away and practice and then some practical takeaways as well but where, where I want to start with this is somewhere where I like to start, which is the, the foundation of all the stuff I do, which is about magic, basically. So when I, when I was a kid, I was one of those kids who loved, like, do the Paul Daniels magic sets. And you would I would do, like, those little tricks. I, I can still picture being, like, six, seven years old and doing tricks to my grandma and granddad, and they'd react brilliantly like I was some great magician. And as I got older, do you all remember David Blaine? Do you know who he is? When I was about 17, 18, he came up with his street magic show. And I remember thinking it's amazing because I always loved that sort of stuff. And me and a mate learned how to do it. And I vividly really remember I used, to, I used to go around and I'd show. There's a trick he does, which me and my mate learned how to do, where he gets a coin off someone in the street and he bites it in half and then spits it back together. And when he would show that trick to Americans on his TV show, They'd be like, oh my God, he's like the devil. Oh my God. And I learned how to do that trick and I would show it to British people. And I'd do the exact same trick. And as I spat the coin back together, they'd go, it's good that, yeah? (laughs) And I was like, that's not the same reaction David Blaine gets. And something I figured out, I don't really like stereotypes, but something I figured out that is fairly stereotypical, but it works was that if I wanted to get that reaction, like that America, the classic American reaction from British people, I had to do magic tricks to British people when they were pissed. So there was a spell where I was in uni and I was, I was doing magic tricks to people on the streets of Liverpool, like at three o'clock in the morning. And one of my, the purpose of this story is, we'll get to one of my best mates used to be with me and I'd be getting these reactions like, oh my God, this is incredible. I remember this one time people shouting people across I come and see this lad doing magic, and one of my mates hated it. So he would stand, he would stand and stare at my hands while I was doing tricks, trying to figure out how I did them, because he wanted to spoil them, because he couldn't, he didn't like me getting all the attention. And the reason I always talk about magic in relation to this type of work is that the the very same reason most people can't figure out magic tricks, and my mate could never figure out how I did it is the same reason we get stuck in life and we don't figure out what's wrong. It's because we're focusing on the wrong part. So without ruining magic tricks for anyone who doesn't know how they work, the vast majority of magic tricks, by the time you get to the end, all you're watching is a a performance. You're just watching the like, ta-da moment. The magic trick was done usually ages before. Often with big magic tricks, it was done months before or years before. There's all kinds of stories about great tricks that were done decades before. And you're just watching a presentation of it. And that's why if you stare at a magician's hands, or you stare at the end of a trick, you can't figure out how, it, how it's done. It's the same with all of the problems we have in life, including this. So one of the problems is with trying to lose weight, we stare at the symptom, which is, and we focus on that I'm trying to lose weight. And the problem is like with magic tricks the root cause is actually decades ago it goes back to our childhood it goes back to all kinds of programming we've had which we're going to get into but it's what i wanted to touch on why i believe that for most people and i've, I've witnessed this over the years i've seen you know my mum from what, as early as i can remember my mum was in weight watchers was in slimmer's world and she'd just be up and down with her date, with her with her weight the entire time i've seen this happen i've trained with people in gyms who train really hard, don't lose any weight. And the problem with those industries is it's not designed to help people lose weight and keep the weight off. I always remember watching, there was a doc, I don't know whether any of you saw this, a documentary a few years ago now, and it was this like investigative journalist, he was, he ended up doing this like investigative, investigative journalist. And he did a show about the diet industry and he ended up interviewing the guy who helped turn weight watchers into a multi-billion dollar industry. And he's sitting across a table from him. The guy was overweight himself. And he said to him, But isn't, isn't your company fundamentally flawed? Because don't you help people to lose weight? But then they don't, they don't teach them how to keep it off. So they lose weight, then they gain it, and then they come back again next year. And this investigative journalist thought he was getting, he was getting this like scoop moment. And the guy just looked at him and went, Yeah, that's exactly what we do. And the journalist was like taken aback because he'd been so honest. And this fella said to him, Bear in mind, he built a multi-billion dollar company. He said, why is that? Is do people not realize that like, it wouldn't be much of a business if we helped people lose weight and then they just never came back. We want the repeat custom. I remember that's always stuck in my head. That's what that industry is. If that industry was designed to help people lose weight and keep it off, it would go bust similarly with like going to the gym and training. Of course it can work and all these different things can work. We'll at the end, we'll talk about that, why that is, but what this all comes down to if we've got weight issues in our life, it's like every other problem. It comes back to me for the, for the work I do back to childhood and back fundamentally to low self-worth. So it's built on a feeling that we're not good enough. So what happens when we're trying to lose weight and we're trying to solve this problem is we'll start doing something and we might make it a progress. And then after a while we'll fall off the wagon. And what that does is if you've, I always think of like, think about your self esteem as like a power bar. Every time you make a mistake, you eat some food, you you weren't meant to eat. You don't go to the gym, your self esteem takes a knock and it keeps you trapped in this vicious loop because it's built the fact that we're overeating or we're not eating the right foods whatever is built on low self esteem. And then whenever we do something and then we don't think we're good enough, it makes it worse. So we eat more and it just keeps us trapped in this loop. So the whole point of this work and the real solution is to go to the root cause instead of focusing on the symptom. So instead of focusing on I'm overweight and I keep going through the same cycle, we go to the root cause of what's happening and we solve that. So with all this stuff, like the, any, anyone who faces problems with weight, it's the, it's the exact same pattern. As any problem with addiction or anxiety or anger, which is why this work applies to all of it. So we can we'll focus on weight for the purposes of this, but what you'll find as you take this stuff away, if you get into it, is the principles apply to all different areas of your life. So you'll find that if you if you can successfully solve this root cause, the self-esteem issue, it spreads out into everything else. So I mean, the book I've written, I don't know how many of you've got the book or seen the book, the book's 650 pages long. And it took me like 12 hours to read it as an audio book. So we're compressing the, the core stuff around this. But where it starts is programming that we get when we're kids. So picture yourself when we come out as a child, when we're first born, we come out as a, like like when you buy a laptop from the shops, and it's basically got hardly any programs on. It's got maybe a couple of basic things, depending on what you believe about humans and what programs they've had, doesn't really matter. But from that point, we then build who we are. So who you are today has been built by other people effectively programming you since you were a kid. So you've been getting all of these programming experiences. A lot of this like comes back to trauma we've experienced as children, but there's different types of trauma. But where I got to with this stuff was it's, it's more appropriate to talk about programming experiences because we know if we talk about trauma and neglect and things like that, people who've had nice childhoods like I did, you don't really like to think about those words and those phrases because of you know, casting aspersions on parents and things like that. And we've passed this stuff down. This is one of the things I say a lot: is this isn't anybody's fault. This is programming that's been passed through the generations, and we've been passing on. So figuring out what the root of it is and and reversing it is not only good for you, but it's good for anybody kids family members you can pass it on to so the first big part of this for the purposes of what we're talking about tonight is going back to childhood and then throughout life and thinking about what stories do you have around food that have been instilled in you since you were a kid so an exercise i want to give you to do and we'll start it and i'll just give you some little pointers now but this is one to take away with you and start observing over the next few weeks one of the big parts of this work is just start start to gently observe your own life your own thoughts your own feelings and seeing them for what they really are so write this down if you've got pad, pad and paper with you a pad and pen with you the idea is to observe the language you use around food and any phrases that you commonly use, and just start observing them. Just start noting them coming up. So, if you're anything like me, we've got we're probably all looking at everyone. I can see similar age brackets. I I remember vividly growing up that if I didn't eat the food that was put on a plate in front of me, I would be told there are starving kids in Africa. Anyone heard that line before? Mm-hmm starving kids in Africa, and you're not eating your dinner. Guess what that does? That subconsciously tells a kid that they're not good enough because they didn't finish their dinner. So we start we start associating an empty plate with being good enough. And more than that, we associate eating all of the food on the plate with being loved by our caregivers. Whichever caregiver said that to us, what they're effectively saying without realizing it is, I love you more, if you eat all your food. I was, I remember as a kid, I, I had a big appetite and I see it happening now to the kids in my family. I would eat all my food and my mum would come into the room and say to my sister, look at your brother's plate. Your brother ate more than you. It, and we see this everywhere. Like everyone's smiling. We've all heard that type of thing. Um it, it's the good boy thing. It's the good girl thing. Joe, we're, we're programmed to think that we're good if we eat all that food but think about it logically as because this is the thing about going back into childhood and, and seeing this stuff and gently observing it as you go if you bring that into where we are now with fresh eyes I often say it's like someone waking you up from hypnosis think about it logically and practically what we're doing as humans often is someone's given us a plate of food they've arbitrarily decided how much food is on that plate it's not it's not designed for how big our belly is for how hungry we are for how old we are for our body weight for how much training we've been doing they just give us a plate of food and say eat all that food and i'll love you more that's effectively what's going on and we carry that into adulthood so the trick is to start getting into and figuring out what are the stories you've got from childhood around food another one about like general language that we use which is an important one is do you ever find yourself saying, "We do this a lot in the Western world." I'm starving. Like I'm I'm starving. Next time, and this this is all part of the reprogramming. So this is all programming we've had. That's just, just general language we think is dead innocent. But when we say to our system, "We're starving," our system goes into panic mode. It's like, yeah, shit, we need to eat. Whenever I found myself in when I first started doing this work a few years ago. And it wasn't about weight back then, but it, it tied into the same thing. I just start gently saying to myself, am I really starving? Like, when did I last eat something? And then my brain would go, uh, you had something at nine o'clock this morning for breakfast. And I was like, "But well, let's think about those starving kids in Africa, Africa again for a second. Would they consider they were starving if they'd had breakfast and it's now three o'clock in the afternoon and they haven't had anything to eat since breakfast. It's like, no. And then, so we can gently start changing the language. So once you start observing these things over the next few weeks, start logically breaking them down and, and challenge yourself just gently. We'll we'll talk more about this. Just gently changing the language we use. So I'll, if I find, because it still happens, you know, for the first 38 years of my life, that was the programming in my head. That was the language. I'm starving. If I find that coming up now and my brain says I'm starving, I'll just gently say, are we though? like how much do we need to eat right now we're not we're not really starving it's, it's very unlikely that any of us are ever starving in the world in which we live um so that's the first exercise to take away and, and to think about and as you do this over the next few weeks feel free to drop me a line if anything comes up you want to you want to ask about um so this takes us into another part of we've, we've talked a little bit about the, how this is attached to self-worth and love from other people. The other thing that this is, that effectively ties into is shame. So without realizing that what we, what we do with our children in our, in our societies is we raise them with a lot of shame, basically. And again, no one's fault. This is just something that has been passed down through the generations. So that whole idea of you haven't eaten your dinner, that's, that's shame that you've eaten more than your sister my sister's feeling there is shame. If I don't eat enough food, if I I look at my mom, I even see it now, I'm 41 years old, and my mom will look at me and she doesn't even need to to say anything. I'm like, oh, I feel ashamed of myself. If I really sit down with the emotions of what's going on right now, we get ourselves in this loop. So this happens a lot. You may have experienced this. We've already talked about you know, if you go on a diet or if you go to the gym and you you start and then you stop at some point, that feeling of low self-worth, that feeling of shame, beating yourself up internally. This is all part of the vicious loop. Then we'll also beat ourselves up over things like um, eating bad foods. So if you find, I I mentioned this in the the intro email to this session, I eat chocolate most days. I eat ice cream whenever I want to eat ice cream. I eat crap a lot of the time. I don't eat to stay slim. I don't, I don't focus on micronutrients and I don't focus on carbs and protein and all this stuff that overwhelms us because that's all part of the same problem is that if we focus on that stuff, sooner or later, we're going to make a mistake. Sooner or later, we're going to want some chocolate and we're going to eat some chocolate or we're going to want a chippy dinner and buy a chippy dinner. And if we get stuck in the idea that that's bad, what that comes back to our childhood is not that the thing is bad, but that we're bad. So it comes back to the story internally, that we're not good enough. And again, if you go back to the self-worth power bar, it takes your self-worth down, not up. So what we're trying to do with all of this is break that loop, basically. So a second exercise for you to do going forward, and this is this is where, what we want to do, and this is, this is the core of this stuff really, which takes it away from the general diet and personal training and gym type side of trying to get in shape and lose weight. We want to start looking at the emotions behind food. So the second exercise to write down and to start observing over the next few weeks is I want you to sit and observe the emotions you're feeling whenever food comes up so when you're hungry when you're eating when you've finished eating whatever it is just start to gently and i'll send you after this an email with if you haven't got a book, the book there's a, there's a couple of charts in there that i put together and you can just download this sort of stuff from the internet like just look up emotions because something else you realize from our childhoods is that nobody's taught us this stuff really I never, no one ever taught me properly about emotions. When I was a kid, I I only learned about this stuff doing this stuff from when I was 38 years old. So we want to get into what do we really feel about it? Shame. There'll be a big, there'll be, for most people, there'll be a big element of shame when it comes to food. So that feeling of when we've eaten and then we've eaten more than we thought we should, and then we've eaten a bit more and then we're sitting there and we're completely stuffed and then we feel bad about ourselves that is likely to bring up feelings of shame. There may be other things in there. Another, another big one when it comes to this is um, love, which I want I will come onto in, in a second. But the important thing is first and foremost to identify them. And we can only do this in summary here, but a big part of this work is being able to accept all of our, our emotions for what they are. So whatever emotions you feel around food, they're okay. Like it's really important to start just telling yourself it's okay. It's okay to feel shame. It's okay to feel guilt. It's okay to feel it's okay to feel greedy. It's okay to feel love towards food. These are all perfectly normal human emotions. And one of the problems with everything coming back to self esteem and not feeling good enough is when our feelings come up, and the feelings come up that are we've been taught are bad like greed, for example, we tell ourselves that feelings not good enough that goes back into the loop and it brings down the self-esteem again. Guess what keeps us trapped in the vicious cycle. That's keeping us eating the wrong foods, eating too much. So it's really key to start gently observing that and then seeing what happens. So this ties in nicely to you'll have all heard the phrase. I only thought of this a few months ago. You'll have all heard the phrase, um, comfort eating, I guess. Yeah, I realized a few months ago, we call it comfort eating. But that's not what it is, really. What it is, actually, is self love eating. We're eating and in the process of eating food, we're basically showing ourselves love. Because even again, go back to childhood, I think about my parents, I'm from like an atypical typical Irish Catholic family. All of the the women, especially I know, were raised that you show love through food. That's how we, that's in most of our like families and societies, that's how we show love. So if my, I, I realized at one point, I had this instant with her where my mum would constantly be saying to me, I'd go and visit her and she'd say, do you want something to eat? And I'd say, no thanks. And she'd say, do you want some toast? And I'd say, no thanks. And she'd say, what about a butty? Do you want a sandwich? And I'd say no thanks. And then she'd say, What about some chocolate? Or some chocolate? And by this, I'd be like, Mom, you covered all of these things when you asked me, Did I want anything to eat? And I said, No. You don't need to then name every food you've got in the house and ask me each one individually. And then she'd get upset. And then I'd feel guilty. And we'd have this little dance. And after I started doing this and reflect on it, what I realized was happening was at a deep subconscious level, and she wasn't even aware of this what's actually happening is my mum saying to me son i want to give you some love will you accept it and i was going no and she was going i'll give you it in a different way do you want it now and i'd go no and we just keep going through this and we're all doing it subconsciously because we attach so much feeling and emotion to this to this exchange so it goes back to um the stories around it like what's actually on your plate and we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. So this part, and this is this is moving into like the practical side of what we can do going forward to change things, is when we start like taking a second whenever we're hungry and we when we think we want to go and eat and asking what am I actually giving myself now? What is going on? If it is comfort eating. So from now on, whenever you hear the phrase in your own head, this is if you think this is comfort eating, Think of it as now. Actually, what I'm doing is show myself love. I'm giving myself love the same way that food was given to me as love when I was younger. Then we can ask ourselves a, a, a separate question. We can say, okay, is this the? I'm a grown up now. I can make different choices. Is this the best way for me to show myself love? Because there are other ways for me to do that. Do you know, it, it it may be now. If you th- if if weight is a big issue for you, it may be that going for a walk is actually showing yourself more love than having a hot dog that playing guitar for 20 minutes, if that's something you do or listening to music or watching TV or cleaning your bedroom, whatever it is, it may be that that is a more healthy way to show yourself care and attention and love than having a chocolate bar. The, The chocolate bar or the food, whatever it is, is just the way that subconsciously we've been training ourselves and we've been trained for decades to give ourselves that love and care that we, that we desperately crave. So it's another, it's another awareness thing to tie into the exercises that we've talked about already. Okay. So then I want to move into like practical stuff, really real practical stuff to help you. And it bear in mind, this all comes back to general principles, and I'm gonna you'll hear me talk about this a lot on this topic and on lots of other topics. This programming that you've had, we've all had, goes back to childhood, as we've said. So you've been having the same program instilled in you and then repeated and reaffirmed for decades. So it's not that one of the things I don't like about the the sort of weight loss industries and any sort of self help personal development stuff now it's an idea that you can just change overnight don't get me wrong it is possible you can you see it right you can see someone who'll give up smoking because they've reached a point where they're so pissed off with smoking or they've had alcohol has caused so much damage in their life that one day they just stop it can be the same with this you know one day you can just completely change but that's rare and the problem is that all of people who sell that as a solution are selling a bit of a myth because for most people, that's not going to happen. And then we get trapped back in the self esteem, vicious cycle of you'll try the thing they're selling to you. It didn't happen for you overnight. Like it happened to the person on the testimonial video or the person they showed on Instagram. And now you think you're bad. There's something wrong with you. And then you go back into your vicious cycle. So a really, really important part of any changes in life is especially this, to understand that it takes time to reprogram it. This is the analogy I gave before with a laptop. Sadly, we're not like laptops. Do You can just wipe a laptop and then put new programming in. You can't do that with humans. We need to take time to gently undo the old programming we've been having for decades and to replace it with new stuff. Does that make sense? A big part of that is a fundamental principle of all of the work I do which is to be kind to yourself as you're doing it. So this sounds really counterintuitive to most people, but another exercise that you can do as well as do the, the specific stuff is generally observe, just going forward over the next days, just observe how you speak to yourself in your own head. It's usually shocking for people when you start to see exactly how you're talking to yourself. I remember my the story I always tell about this is I when I was changing my life and I was going, I was trying to heal chronic illnesses and I started doing a juice fast. So for, it ended up being three weeks. And all I had for three weeks was juice of fresh fruits and vegetables. Like I bought this big fancy machine every day or push these things through, drink these juices. And I was watching all these documentaries of how people healed and completely cured themselves from chronic illnesses. Three weeks later, I hadn't healed. I hadn't had a full meal for three weeks. And then I started doing, I was working with a coach and he gave me this exercise, not attached to that, but separately about observing your own thoughts. And I realized one day that I was telling myself a story about this juice fast I'd done, that because I hadn't healed and because during the the fast or the juice like regime, you're allowed every day to have one banana or one avocado blended into one of your juices or two juices. That's That That was your sustenance effectively. And it said if you got really, really hungry, you could eat the banana or eat the avocado. And in three weeks, I'd eaten two bananas. And when I started doing this, observing my own thoughts thing at the end of the three weeks that just, so, just happened to coincide, I realized I was telling myself a story it wasn't good enough that I'd failed and I hadn't healed because I'd eaten two bananas, that I was bad, that this was awful, that a mate I knew who'd done it, he'd healed because he'd done it properly. And all these people on TV, they'd done it properly, but I wasn't good enough because I'd eaten two bananas. Everybody else I told that story to at the time was like, oh my God, you've gone three weeks without eating a meal. They were blown away by it. But inside my head, I was a complete failure. It was awful. And that was the first time I realized how mean I was to myself inside my own head and what it had been masquerading as for years. Cause back then I was an ambitious driven entrepreneur. I'd been a lawyer. My whole life was about moving forward and grafting and all of those words. Now I see is just a different type of language for self hate. We're just not being nice to ourselves inside our head. And if we're not being nice to ourselves inside our head, this is the self-worth thing. We're constantly telling ourselves we're not good enough, which is the root cause of all of this stuff. So the number one thing to do as you're going through this process is to be kind to yourself. As you're trying to make changes in your life, be kind. If you do something and you feel like it's a mistake, the, the problem isn't the first thing that happens, the first thought or emotion. The problem is the next one down so what will generally happen is you'll spot that something's gone wrong that you went you didn't think you were meant to do and then your next thought is that's shit, that's not good enough you're a loser and this is where we've got to start catching it and the counterintuitive thing about all of this is even if we find ourselves saying this bit you're a loser you're not good enough is to tell ourselves this is okay as well to be kind to ourselves for being mean to ourselves and that sounds completely counterintuitive, but the problem is, if we don't catch it and start being kind to it at somewhere, we end up in this like downward spiral because we'll go, okay. Paul told me to to start thinking about what I'm what I'm thinking around food, and I've forgotten to do that. That's because I'm not good enough. And then we'll catch the fact we've just told ourselves we weren't good enough or we weren't kind, and we say you weren't meant to do that. You were meant to be kind to yourself. And we've got another step down of being mean to ourselves. So sooner or later down this path, we just have to start gently saying to ourselves, it's okay. Like whatever happens, it's okay. We're just learning a new thing. Picture it like talking to a kid, which is effectively what we're doing. We're talking to the old little kid inside us. So we wanna be doing it gently and knowing that it'll take time, accepting that it'll take time to reprogram stuff because it's been going, this has been going for decades. So to expect to change it overnight is unrealistic. As I say, it can happen. It does happen to some people, but don't expect it to. This is an expectation thing. Just go into it thinking this will take time. And this is one of the other things, but the problem with the industries that are out there, it's the idea that you can change really quickly. When actually, if you want to change long term in anything, what you want to do is do it gradually take your time to do it. Because if you can, when you can slowly redo this programming, that creates a foundation then that's solid that you can build off instead of temporary fixes. So dieting, going and training at the gym for three months. For me, they're all temporary fixes. Because if you stop the diet, if you stop going to the gym, the weight comes back on because you haven't fundamentally changed and dealt with what the root issue is. So this that that we're going to keep going with practical stuff here. Something that dawned on me the other day: Have any of you seen the movie Chef? I rewatched this the other day. It's a John a John Favreau movie. Really, it's a really nice movie, worth watching. Right, funny, uplifting. There's a scene in it, and it shows a clip at the end. It's basically a movie about a, he's a chef and he loses his job and he re, like reconnects with with his love of cooking. And there's a there's a clip when the credits are coming up at the end. Where the actor John Favreau is being shown by a real chef, taught this scene, and there's a scene where he's cooking. It's just a fried cheese sandwich. And he spends ages. The chef is showing it. And he's 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 like, it's like it's like he's in love with this this cheese sandwich. And he's focusing on it and he's turning it round, and he's got this knife, and he's like, you need to change how you hold the knife, and then you change how you look at it, the angle you're at, and then you put some butter on here, and you move it round. And he says to John Favreau, and when you're cooking this sandwich, the only thing that exists is this sandwich. And it, you're drawn into it, it's like, this is incredible. And as I was watching it afterwards, it reminded me that last time I watched this film, it got I started making those types of sandwiches afterwards, and I love them. But something i realized and this is a real real practical tip to start using is I, I it made me think of homemade food and how often we'll eat something that's homemade and it just nourishes us more we just love it more than something we'll have from a shop especially during a microwave meal or even go to a restaurant i remember going to rome when i was 15 and my one of my mum's speciality dishes is lasagna and we went to this fancy restaurant i was with my uncle my cousin and the waiter, I ordered lasagna and the waiter was like really proud of it and brought out this lasagna. And I, I was obviously a lot cheekier when I was 15 than I turned out to be years later when I went within myself. But he, I remember him saying to me afterwards when I'd finished it, what was it like? I was like, it wasn't as nice as my mum's. But when I started thinking about this and thinking about that cheese sandwich, the thing about homemade food is when we put love into it, when we put care and attention into it, the food is full of love. So go back to what we were talking about before. When we're trying to show ourselves love through food, actually spending time with the food to begin with, instead of just grabbing stuff and eating whatever's there and eating it quickly, is the more love we put into it, when we eat it then, when I eat, whenever I eat something that someone has cooked for me with love and I receive it in that way, or I cook it for myself even, when I cook one of those cheese sandwiches, <laughs> and I eat it now, I savor every bite. So the love that I'm putting inside me as I do it is way higher than if I just grab two chocolate bars. I can feel it. Like I can feel it inside me. So it nourishes me. And because I'm, I'm taking my time to enjoy the food, guess what? I get, I get full sooner because I'm not just throwing it in. I, was, I remember hearing a comedian say once, he was trying to lose weight. And the doctor said to him, Well, you need to give your brain your belly needs to send messages to your brain that it's full so you need to give it more time and he said how long do i need to give it and the doctor said it's like 20 minutes (laughs) you're ridiculous if i banged my toe on a cupboard my brain knows straight away and that's twice the distance from my belly it's like that's just the way it is so actually taking more more time, we're going to go into this, like practical things to to sort of go into for the last phase of this. What we want to do is start because that's all of this stuff we've been talking about is the emotional stuff, mainly the emotional things around it. But again, so the work I do sort of bridges two sides, I always think we can talk about the psychological and the emotional stuff loads. But unless we also have the practical stuff to put into our day to day lives, it doesn't work. I've worked with therapists in the past. I've had people who've worked with therapists and come to me and said, Jen, we just get to the point where it's like, but what do I actually do in real life? What should I actually do with this stuff? And therapists like, well, just feel the emotions more. That doesn't help me. I've felt the emotions. I still want a chocolate bar. What should I do? So this bit, what I want you to do for the, like for, to write down to for these bits, these are real like practical takeaways to take with you. Is, so going back to that bit, What we've just been talking about the self-love thing start when you're eating and you'll have heard this before as well, but it's worth repeating Be more mindful of, of eating. So turn off the TV, put your phone away. If you can make homemade stuff or learn to make homemade stuff, do that. Put, Put real time and attention. I think something we've gone fundamentally wrong in our societies now is that we've scrapped what, what eating used to be like eating for most people used to be like a a family event, a society event. It was, it was connection. It was about love and connection. We'd sit around the table. We'd take our time. We talk to each other. And now what it's become is just shovel stuff into your face. That's what we all do. We just run around shoveling things into our face thinking, well, I need to do that. I just need to eat. So the more we can be mindful of things and not be distracted while we're eating, the better because we're, we're tying it back into this whole idea of nourishment and self love from what we've been taught when we are little. Another big one for practical stuff is going back to what we were talking about right at the start about think about how we most people have been raised, someone presents you with a plate of food. And if you eat all of the plate, you've won, and you're good. And if you don't eat it all, you're bad. What that takes us to is a place where subconsciously we feel like we have to always eat everything that's put in front of us. And when I started to observe this more and more, what I'd realized was my this even happened to me the other week. My dad eats one meal a day. So this is the other thing. We've all got different eating patterns that work best for us. My dad eats one big meal a day. So he for his evening meal, he has like a pile of food like this. It's like a bear. But And people will see him eat and go, he's really slim. It's ridiculous he can eat like that. And I say to them, it's not. He eats all of his calories in one go. All day, all he's had is one slice of bread for his breakfast and one slice of bread for his lunch. And then he eats. That's the way he likes to eat. That's the way his body works. But I'll go for dinner with them. And my mum will give me the same pile of food. And I'll be wading. This still happens. I'll, I'll be wading through this food. And that little voice inside me goes, well, you need to eat it all. Need your starving kids in Africa, need the love off your mum, you want that acknowledgement. Getting to the point where we can say, and this is part of the mindfulness thing, I'm full. I'm done. I don't need to eat anymore. And it, it, that sounds like a really simple thing to do. Something I talk about a lot is things that are simple but not easy. Because something else we've got in this is that, you know, the, the, the program with who's, who's giving us the food and what are the subconscious messages depends who's giving it to us. We might be trying to please that person. Like it's still difficult for me now to not eat all of my mum's food because I've got it programmed into me to be a people pleaser from when I was a kid. I want to please my mum and I've had to do loads of work on that. So it might not be as simple as it sounds to just say, I'm done. But the more we can practice that. So to begin with, practice with your own stuff. Make yourself food. And then as you're eating it mindfully without the telly, without the phone, Keep asking yourself, have I had enough? And when you've had enough, stop. And practice, even if it's a tiny bit. And this is a, you know, be be kind to yourself one step at a time. Even if it's a tiny bit, just leave some food on your plate. Because what we start, when we're talking about changing the programming, what we're changing the programming from is I have to eat everything to it's okay if I don't. Even if it's just one mouthful. I don't need to eat all of that. And I'm still and then there's the, the inner talk. This is all combined. The inner talk gently is I'm still good enough. Even if I don't finish my dinner, I'm still good enough. I'm a grown up now, I can decide how much I want to eat. So that makes sense. And then we build up from there. So this is this is back to being kind to yourself, one step at a time. You know, if, you, if the first time you do it, you might this is what I was like, you might leave one bite of something. So you're eating a pizza, you leave one piece. And you might leave it for 10 minutes. And the whole time your brain will be saying, just eat the last piece. 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 If you last 10 minutes without eating the last piece, and then you eat the last piece, give yourself credit. Instead of beating yourself up for that and going, I'm a fucking waste of space. That's ridiculous. Say, we waited 10 minutes before we had the last piece. And then next time, see if you can go longer than 10 minutes, build up everything to win. Every little step forward is a win and then get to the point where you don't need to eat the last piece and then build from there. This is slowly step by step. We can't expect to go from where we've been for 20, 30, 40, 50 years to completely changing that program overnight. So the key is as you're doing it, be kind to yourself. Um, and that's all part of observing when you fall as well. Think about how often, and this is part of the reprogram. Think about how often you will finish a meal and you'll actually feel sick after you've finished the meal because you've eaten so much that that would happen to me so often, especially when I was eating in restaurants or re- eating with my parents. I'd get to the point where I was like, I actually feel physically sick. I've eaten that much. Well, that means we've eaten well past the point we needed to. So what we want to start, and again, this is key, what we don't want to do next time that happens, we don't want to beat ourselves up about it. We just want to gently observe it and change. Just become aware of it and go, well, actually, do I like this feeling? Go back to that exercise of writing down how you feel. How do I feel right now? Do I feel good or not? Do I want to keep feeling like this every time I finished a meal? Or would I like to experience finishing a meal and going, I feel pleasantly full. And the more we observe that, what we'll gently do over time is change. So when we get to that point where we're full and we are being mindful of it, we'll say to ourselves, I don't need to keep eating. All of these different things tie together. You can say, I don't need to keep eating to please anybody else. I'm still good enough if I don't finish. And actually I know from experience, if I keep eating now in 10 minutes, I'm going to feel sick. And then I'm going to feel sh- full of shame and then I'm going to feel pissed off with myself and I don't want those feelings. So actually, if I stop now, it's better for me. And again, it's step by step. So the first time I try and do that, it might not work. Be kind to yourself, remind yourself, you are just a student learning new stuff. Next time, try again. The other thing to remember is this is not a straight line, like it will not be a straight line progress. People always expect when we're making changes that things just get better and better and better. Think of it instead, as like the stock market graph that what we want to be doing over time is generally trending upwards. So we want to slowly get, so instead of thinking, I want to be better in a week or two weeks, think I want this to be better in 12 months, write down. Now a good thing to do is write down now in a journal or something like that, making yourself a note of how you feel about food. Now, how you, how you deal with it, how you struggle with it, and then come back in 12 months. Set yourself a reminder in a phone or in a calendar to come and see how you feel in 12 months. Because by then, what you can do then is you can allow for, think about stock market graph. If you zoom into a stock market graph at any point, it might be going down. could be an awful day, week, month. But if you zoom out, you've had good days and bad days, but it's generally gone up. That's what we're aiming for when we're making any changes. So what that allows for is, do you know you hear this, like in the personal development world, you'll hear the line that you just need to be better than you were yesterday. And I was going, that's, that's bullshit. If, you, if, if you're always better than you were yesterday, it's straight line growth. No one ever has straight line growth in anything. No one. The best sports stars on the planet don't get better in a straight line. They have good days, they have bad days. Same in any business, same with this. We're just normal humans. We're all flawed. We will make mistakes. We will have bad times. And that's where this all ties around to the self esteem thing. If every time you make a mistake, you eat something you think you shouldn't, you you don't do the things we're talking about. If every time you do that, you beat yourself up, your self esteem comes down, you keep yourself trapped in the loop. So the key is to keep being kind to yourself. If you make a mistake, that's okay. If you don't do what what you want to do, that's okay. Take another step tomorrow. We can take three steps forward, three steps backwards, and one step forward. At least we took one step forward. Being kind to yourself is the key to this, because what we're fundamentally trying to do is repair self-esteem at the base level. Makes sense. Another key one to do um, is to ask yourself why you're eating. So when it, something I noticed when I started doing this stuff is how often. I would be eating because I was bored. Not because I was hungry. And because we're in just this, and again, it's the society we've built. It's foods always available to us. So if we're bored and we're in a pattern of eating, when we're bored, we just do it becoming more mindful of that and observing that and gently saying, okay, what am I, what, what's actually going on? I'm bored. Well, okay. What could I do instead? What could I do that's more healthy for me? That I can do consciously instead of allowing. There's all kinds in this that we we haven't got time to get into about how our subconscious works, and I do all this stuff about multiple personalities and what they how they all operate. But instead of allowing our subconscious to run our lives, because that subconscious personality has been, has been built over decades, what we want to start doing now is say, "Well, I'm a grown up. I can take conscious control of this." So if if I notice that I'm eating because I'm bored. What can I do instead of eating? Because I'm just bored. Well, let's think of something healthier to do. And that might, that could be anything. That could be, well, do you know what? I'm spending half an hour a day eating just because I'm bored. And I've always wanted to ice skate. Okay, go and learn how to ice skate. I've always wanted to play guitar. Go and get a guitar. Do the things, ultimately where this work takes you to once you've built the foundations, is creating a life you want to live. And all of these things, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol or shopping or social media, all of these addictions keep us away from living the life we really want to live. And because we get trapped in this loop, it's hard to break. But by doing this work, it then allows you to look at other things and go, well, actually, what do I want to do with my time? And then same question again, why am I doing it often when we with any addictive type behavior, what we're actually doing is numbing out. So to avoid something in life, we'll do something else. That's where most addictions have, have formed. We don't often talk about food as an addiction because most of us eat in the same way now. But actually, if we're eating for any other reason than we're actually hungry, and we need to eat, It's worth sitting down, going back to the exercise from before about what emotions am I feeling? Ask yourself, what am I actually doing here? Because reaching for a cake can be exactly the same as, I was having this chat with a client a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about reaching for his mobile phone, constantly reaches for his mobile phone when he's with his kids, when he's with his family. And I said to him, what's happening? And he said when he started to observe it, he realized it was when things were tough. something was happening he didn't want to face he would reach for his phone and i said to him well picture instead of instead of reaching for a phone picture reaching for a glass of whiskey if you're reaching for a glass of whiskey while the kids are in the bath would you think that was acceptable and he said no i said it's the same thing we're doing the same thing we're numbing out of life by taking our whatever we're addicted to and it for, for all of us this is this is not unusual If we're addicted to food, we'll also be addicted to social media. We'll also be addicted to our phones. We probably have a drink issue. There's all kinds of things behind this. So so what you'll find, going back to what we were saying before, is that dealing with this stuff around food will have a knock-on effect to other parts of life. Because you start asking yourself a question, and and this comes back to observing your emotions, and this is a much bigger part of the work. But if you can start seeing that you're you're eating because you're trying to numb out of something, then the key is to face that thing instead. So if it's an argument with your partner or an issue with the kids or something from work, if we can stop and zoom out and say, what is it? What emotion am I actually feeling? And then go into that emotion. There's there's a whole load behind that 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 we could get into, but we haven't got time that ultimately goes back to what we said before about accepting everything we feel and learning that whatever we feel is okay. Like literally just sitting there and saying, well, right now I feel afraid or I feel anxious or I feel resentful or I feel angry. And just being able to sit with the emotion rather than reach for something to eat is a big part of building the self-worth power bar. Um and that takes us to, oh, one last thing I want to say on that point, which is it, which is a new story to tell yourself, which is really important. And I, I had to do this and it and it was really I, I started laughing a few months ago when I realized this. A key story to tell ourselves in our in the society, the very spoiled society in which we now live, is it's okay to be hungry. You know what we were saying before about when we get to the point where we go, I'm starving. I'm starving because I haven't eaten for five hours. We've created a society now where It's like if we're hungry for 10 minutes, it's a disaster. And I always go back to like, think about our ancestors, like the the cavemen and women roaming around the plains looking for food. And I was thinking the other week, I was watching something about intermittent fasting. Have you all heard about that? You know what that is? So it's basically, you you only eat for a certain number of hours in a day or within that window and the rest of the time you don't eat. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I do that naturally now. It just happened. I didn't think about it. I just do it. I don't tend to eat when I wake up in the morning. I don't eat till about midday, and I'll probably stop eating about eight nine o'clock at night. And I was listening to someone, and they they were like they were they were on a podcast interview, and they were bigging each other up, and it was like, yeah, how how much do you, what's your intermittent fasting period? And he went, oh, I only I only eat for twelve hours a day, man. And this the guy was like, yeah, I only eat for ten hours a day. And they're like, we're bigging each other up for that. I, re- I remember thinking, imagine if you went back to someone from the caveman period of being a human and said to them, oh, I, I do intermittent fasting. And they'd say, what What does that mean? Bear in mind, Joe, if you said to someone 10 years ago, I do intermittent fasting, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. That's a new phrase. Intermitt- what we call intermittent fasting now is just what humans used to do as standard. Like they just didn't eat all day they would have spells where they're just not eating and that's okay. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but just reprogramming our brain that we don't have to eat constantly. Like we can have a feeling. I, one of the reasons I don't eat of a a morning now is my body. When I I feel like my body is completely processed everything from the day before. And if I find myself, if I eat, when I first get up, once you become like conscious of this stuff properly, my body constantly feels like it's I think it's a machine constantly churning through shit, constantly trying to process stuff. So when I don't eat of a morning, my body gets to a point where it goes "Ah, feels good, I'm empty. Like I've, I've done all the stuff I was meant to do. And it feels really nice. And then the next time I eat, it's like, there you go, here's some new fuel. But it gives your body that time to just clear stuff out and process because that's what it's meant to do. So actually you've taken it back to an equilibrium that it's used to from our ancestral days. Does that make sense? Um, where are we? Oh God, I just realized time is. Right, so to wrap up, have you all still got a few minutes? There's, there's, there's some three or four key points, one I, keep, one I keep saying and I keep saying on purpose. The first and most important part of any of this stuff, if you want to change your life, whether it's this or something else, is to take radical responsibility. When I say radical responsibility, I mean, keep coming back to you for everything. So we've talked a lot in this about stuff we've got from our childhoods, other people giving us food, all that sort of stuff. It's very easy for all of us. And we like to do this. There's a, big, there's a big victim part of all humans that we like to blame other people. So we'll say, well, I would get in shape, but you keep giving me food. I would get in shape, but whenever I, whenever I stay in my dad's house, I always laughed to myself to like, well, I would give up chocolate, but your fridge is always full of chocolate. And then I laughed to myself and go, well, you don't have to, she's not force feeding you, but you don't have to keep going to the fridge. So take radical responsibility. You're all steps ahead of most people because you're already doing something like this. So you're already taking responsibility in life. That's the most important part. Keep bringing it back to you. So what more can I do rather than try and blame anybody else? If you know if you live with someone who buys food that you don't want them to buy, if they cook food you don't want them to cook, if they give big portions, take responsibility. Say to them gently, compassionately, look, I want to get in shape, I want to lose a few pounds, I'd like your support. If they can't support you, find a different way. Think of something else that you can do that can you can take control of your own life. That's first, in, first and first the most important, take responsibility. Second and equally important is the be kind to yourself. If, if you try and make any changes in your life and you keep beating yourself up, whenever you do something that you perceive to be not what you're meant to be doing, you're going to keep yourself trapped. You're going to carry on being in a vicious cycle. So keep coming back to that concept of be kind to yourself. You're just learning something new. Forever, one of my coaches told me once, which I loved, he said, one of the problems we've all got is we all want to become the master, whatever it is we're doing, we want to become the expert. But the problem with that is if you become the master or you become the expert in your own mind, you feel like you should always get things right and you should always know the correct answer. So the, the great mindset to get into, which I got into a couple of years ago and it's the best thing I've ever done is remind yourself, you're always a student. You're always learning. And if you're a student and you make a mistake, that's okay. It isn't a get out of jail free card. It isn't. We can just do this forever. But it's being kind and compassionate to yourself. So if you make a mistake, that's okay. You don't need to. This we get this in. I get this with a lot of people I work with. Um, there's an interview I'm going to publish next week actually about addiction and overcoming addiction. The whole the concept of falling off the wagon, and when we with that even that phraseology and the way we think about it. When I fall off the wagon, what does that say about me? It says I'm not good enough. Says I've messed up. Whereas the way I like to look at it is, you no, know, as long as think back to the stock market graph, as long as you're generally moving forward, it's good, it's all good. If in you know, if today you tend to eat ten chocolate bars a day, and in six months you're eating five chocolate bars a day, that's a win because you're in you're moving forward. Because six months after that, you're down to one chocolate bar a day. This is the difference now. When when we try and deny ourselves things, we're still keeping ourselves in the shame loop. So if I want a chocolate bar, I'll have a chocolate bar. But because I'm mindful of it now, I don't eat 10. But I'll, I'll still eat a chocolate bar every day. I just don't beat myself up about it. Because if I eat a chocolate bar and then beat myself up about it, guess what? I'm back into the vicious cycle of the shame loop. Not feeling good enough. What's that more likely to do? Same with people falling off the wagon if they're giving up drink or drugs, you fall off the wagon, you go, everyone's experienced this with food and with some with drink as well. But with food, especially, Oh, I've had a chocolate bar today. Well, I might as well have a chippy and I might as well have three pizzas. And we're keeping ourselves in that loop. Whereas if instead, we're kind to ourselves and we go, I'm all right, I can have a chocolate bar. I don't I don't need to eat anything else. I'm all right. Then it's a, it's a healthier way to move forward instead of constantly trying to deny ourselves the things we really want. And then over time, it just naturally finds a bit of balance. Two last points to wrap up. And then if you if you want to ask any questions, you're more than welcome to. This is a really big one. right? And I've never heard anyone talk about this before and I love it. You've got to ask yourself, let me start somewhere else and come back what I've noticed, I've, I've been doing this type of coaching now for about two years. And I, I'm constantly trying to boil things down to very basic principles to, to explain to people. And I was just thinking to myself the other week, what's the difference between people who change their lives and people who don't in any area. And I realized there's just one thing. And no one ever knows what it is when I ask them. And that one thing is that people who change their lives in any area, really 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 want to change their lives and that's why no matter where you look on the internet no matter what training package it is no matter what money making package it is no matter what fitness exercise it is, there will always be people they can hold up and say it works look at this person the reality is what's happened is someone has decided they really 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 want to change their life And then they've used that product or that system or whatever it is. And it's matched well with them and they've done what they wanted to do. There will always be people out there. Every system will have that. So one of the big things is do you really, really, really want to do this or not? Because if you don't, and I do this to myself all the time. Now I did it when I was writing the last book, I just asked myself the question gently again, not in a critical way, but just gently, are you bullshitting yourself? And I remember when it came to writing the book, I was I was coaching someone one day. This happens a lot when coaching calls. I'll be saying something to someone and a little voice on like, I'll get a knock on the back of my head and a little voice will say, because I was asking this guy, are you bullshitting yourself? And the little voice in the back of my head went, are you bullshitting yourself? Yeah. You've been telling everyone for months you're writing a book, but you're not. What you're actually doing is thinking about writing a book. So you're bullshitting yourself that you want to write a book because ultimately, and this is something I love about this stuff as well, you can talk about the psychology, you can talk about the emotions, you can talk about practical stuff. Sooner or later, you're just left with a decision. Do I do it or not? And how much do I want to do it? And that night I sat down when I had this thing, this was over a year ago now, I remember sitting down thinking, do I want to write this book or not? Because either I stop bullshitting myself. And I stop telling everyone I'm writing a book. And I tell people I'm thinking about writing a book, which is what I was doing. Or I start writing the book. Um, this is where you'll hear people talk about procrastination, and we need all these tools, and we don't. I always say to people, think of something you've done in your life that you didn't procrastinate over, that you just did, no matter what the hurdles were, no matter what was in your way, you just did it because you really, really, really wanted to do it. We've all got examples of that. I was given. I've I've been to five football European Cup finals in my life, and it or four, five. I've lost lost count, which is. I'm spoiled in itself at, at every point during my life the first one was when i was 25 last one was a couple of years ago at every point if you just stopped me and said do you have the time and money to go to a foreign trip for three or four days can you afford that i'd be like no at no point did i ever question it i just went because i really wanted to go so when we find ourselves procrastinating or saying i need accountability partners or i need the best thing we can do is come back and ask ourselves the question, how much do I really want to do this? Because it ties in, I remember chatting to a mate of mine a couple of years ago now, and he's always carrying a bit of weight. He's just always got a bit of a spare tie around his belly. And he's sitting there and he's telling me about all the ways he's been trying to lose weight, and it's just never worked. And I said to him, let me ask you an honest question. I went, on a scale of naught to 10, with naught being not at all and 10 being absolutely desperate, determined to lose weight. Where are you? How much do you want to lose weight? Just tell me, just whatever comes up. Don't think about it, whatever comes up. And he said, a three. And I said, I can tell. And he said, why? I said, because you're not losing weight. And I said, let me have another guess. What's really going on? And he said, what? I said, it's not you that wants to lose weight. He said, who is it? I said, it's your wife who wants you to lose weight. You would rather eat the food you're eating now, do the, the training regime you're doing now, which was none. And you'd rather have a little bit of a belly if it means you can have a few beers and eat some chocolates every day. And he said to me, you're right. And I said, well, stop beating yourself up then. Let go of it. Because you're just making your life miserable. You're good enough as you are. And that in itself can change your life. If you can get to a point, and this isn't just about weight, this is about everything else. If you can get to a point where you just go, no, actually, do you know what? I'm all right as I am. I'm good as I am. And if other people aren't good with that, that's okay as well. That's up to them. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm good as I am. I'm good with the money I make. I'm good with the weight I am. I'm good with the diet I've got. That in itself, just by telling ourselves the truth can free us. Because then, we, d- we can stop bullshitting ourselves. We can stop beating ourselves up. We can just go, yeah, I like eating cakes. I enjoy it. Any any questions? Anyone got any thoughts or anything they wanted to ask? Just thank you so much mind is blown so I've realized oh my god I feel that like practically I don't think I've ever written so much in an hour really haven't it was just brilliant thank you very very oh, my, my pleasure I'm glad you enjoyed it Welsh Catholic family it's like I've just realized so much of this stuff that you said Welsh Catholic family and brought up by grandparents that were uh wartime and I've I've literally just realized it it's like oh yeah yeah, I get it. There you go. And, and something that's worth saying, it's a great point as well. I've, I've coached people all around the world now, which I feel very privileged to do because it gives me an insight into humanity most people don't get. The pictures we see on TV about how different we all are, it's absolute nonsense. Because I, I used to say like Irish Catholic family as if that was like a special thing. You can basically take whatever nationality and whatever religion you want and put them together in that setting. And it's the same thing yeah oh no absolutely yeah amazing thank you my pleasure anybody else any any questions pop up no all good i know it's a uh, no one ever really wants this yeah uh, paul, paul if if i could just ask a couple of questions yep. i've noticed you've not mentioned anything about uh, calories or, or weight goals Yes. so the whole point of this is portion control and calories don't get me wrong it, it, of course it can work but the problem is you're not dealing with the root cause of the problem yeah so you can focus on like i've done the whole my fitness pal i don't know whether you, any of you have ever done this and counting calories and weighing food and it's unsustainable for most humans if you are an athlete and you're training for the olympics even then you're only going to do it in the years you're training for the olympics because you're yeah. focused on something for most humans in day-to-day life, you are not gonna do that. So it's, it's pointless in my eyes. And if you if you adopt these principles and you really get into them, what you find happening is your body regulates itself. If you're really mindful about your food and you're not eating because of emotional things from the past, you'll start getting to a point where you just realize you're full. Your body yeah. knows how much it needs to eat and over time, gently, it will regulate itself. Thank you for watching or listening to that. Depending on whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. As promised, here's some extra bits that weren't in the main session that I wanted to add. Firstly, answering a couple of questions that came in after the event and then to cover some other stuff, some deeper stuff. So questions wise, someone asked after the event about scales, weighing yourself every day, is that a good idea? very simple answer that from my perspective and this probably would most trainers who i've ever met or worked with or seen would agree with this throw away the scales like they are useless to you we all have very different body compositions and when we talk about the emotional psychology emotional psychology behind this getting on a scale every day and letting that determine whether you feel good or not about what you're doing and about getting in shape and and losing weight is not a good idea because again, you're focusing on something external. So on the days where you've lost some weight, you're gonna feel good. And on the days where you haven't lost any weight or you've, you've gained weight, you're gonna feel bad. And that's gonna keep you trapped in a vicious cycle of shame and not feeling good enough. So get rid of them. And I would highly recommend don't, if you've got scales in your house and you have, an, you have a habit of getting on them regularly, don't just hide them somewhere because you'll know where they are. Get rid of them, give them away, give them to charity, bin them, whatever you wanna do. Um, they're not doing you any favours they keep you trapped in this loop so get rid of them just go off what I want you to get towards is just going off observing your own body and your own emotions and, and really tuning into how you feel and the, go off if you're feeling good if you're feeling good you're going in a good direction that's all you need to know the, the weight will take care of itself you will find your body will find its own natural rhythm and its own natural place So that's the first one the second one was a question that came in about meal times someone asked me Someone said to me, Paul, I often find myself eating lunch around the middle of the day and I'm not hungry, but I'm eating lunch because it's lunchtime. Should I be doing that? And again, very simple answer for that is no, don't do that. And look, the same caveat applies to all of this, which is do whatever works for you. Whether you listen to this and think it's all nonsense and you find something else that works for you, do whatever works for you that I couldn't care less whether people listen to what I say and follow it. The whole point is find what works for you. If this works for you, great, if it doesn't do something else. As far as I'm concerned, meal times are just something else that human beings have created. They didn't exist. Think about it uh, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago before the world we live in existed. We, we always fall into the trap of thinking this is how humans have always been. It's not. We've created things like mealtimes. We've created things like what you should have for different meals. I was chatting to my niece and nephew who were teenagers a few months ago about this and they could they just couldn't get their head around the fact that on in different parts of the planet they'll eat curry for breakfast because in their minds that's crazy but it's no more crazy than us eating sugar for breakfast on cereal which is sweet um, so when it comes to meal times don't worry about what time it is if your body wants to eat it wants to eat if it doesn't it doesn't let it again find its balance with this keep keep the observational thing going check in ask yourself if you are hungry ask yourself if you really need to eat you know are you start going back to that are you starving thing or are you just are you are you okay just being a little bit hungry for a while when i have talked about i don't eat breakfast at all these days and that just that wasn't a conscious decision i just realized when i wake up my body doesn't need food straight away it likes to clear itself out it likes to feel like it's processed everything and then i get to the point where i'm naturally hungry but there'll be moments in the morning where I am a bit hungry. I'm just, I just know I'm not ready for food yet. So remember that as well, it's okay to be hungry. That's a really big part of this. Like we live in a society where it's like, if we, as soon as we get a tiny bit hungry on the scale, we're reaching for food. Well, that's not how humans have been for the vast majority of our existence. So so don't. if you get a little bit hungry, that's okay. So there are two practical things. Um, and then to go into the deeper stuff, the emotional stuff, there's a, there's a big thing that I didn't talk about in the session, which I want to touch on, but it's too big to go into in full detail because it would take too long, and I appreciate this, is, this will already be you know, over an hour. So I will link at the end of this to the multiple personality episodes I've done previously. If you've never watched or listened to them, it's worth going back and taking them in because this is a big part of it. We have, if you don't know this, I'll give you a very quick summary. If you've heard it before, it's worth repeating, as with everything else. We all think we're just, when we start this, we all think we're just one person. And one of the keys to all of the work I do and the coaching I do, and the training I do, is that we're not. We're multiple personalities that have been created over decades to help us meet our needs. And those different personalities do different things in our lives. For the purposes of this, there are four key human or emotional needs that we're constantly trying to meet and our different personalities are meeting for us. Without doing this work, they're usually doing it in subconscious ways. And when they're doing it subconsciously, they usually do it in unhealthy ways. So those core needs are certainty and control, uncertainty and variety, significance, feeling special, or your ego, and loving connection. And at all times, these needs are being met for you. There are—you can go elsewhere and look at. There are all kinds of human needs. These are like the core ones from the stuff I do, which I think are most powerful. But all, at all times, these needs are being met. It's not—it there is no neutral position. It's not like you can choose for them not to be met. So you're either meeting them consciously and trying to do it in healthy ways, or you're doing it subconsciously. And if you're doing it subconsciously, as I say, you're probably doing it in unhealthy ways. So right now. If you are, if you have weight problems and you overeat, one of the things that will be happening is there is probably one or more of your personalities, your characters, that is meeting these needs for you in unhealthy ways. So let me give you some examples, right? Because this is something that is, everyone I work with and go through this stuff with, this is one of the multiple personality work that we do, is something they reference often as a massive breakthrough moment for them. And at the same time, as we're going through it, there's bits where they struggle and they're counterintuitive and it takes a bit of getting your head around. So I'll do my best to summarize it now. As I say, watch those other episodes as well because you'll see more detail then. The four needs. So by being overweight, this is quite, there's two of them that are quite um, counterintuitive. One of them is you meet your need for certainty and control if you're overweight and if that's been a part of your personality for a long time because you are certain of how it feels to be like that and one of the certain the need for certainty control is probably the biggest one we have as humans it's why people stay in relationships that make them unhappy in jobs that make them unhappy in general situations that make them unhappy like addictions like being overweight because they make they make you unhappy in your head intellectually but deep down in your subconscious they're meeting these needs so you don't think they're doing anything for you but they are So it meets your need for certainty and control. Why? Well, you might have a life where you've got no control and no certainty over anything. And one of the few things that you do have control over or certainty over is the food you eat. So by eating a lot of food, it gives you control, it gives you certainty. By being overweight, it might feel like in your head you hate being overweight. But being overweight, if it's a persona you've created, it gives you certainty and that you know how the world is when you're overweight. And if you think of, this is where uh, phrases like better the devil you know come from because most humans are actually more comfortable subconsciously in an unhappy situation that gives them certainty than with the uncertainty of change which sounds daft intellectually but this isn't about intellectual <laughs> intellectualism is that word or it's about your subconscious and your subconscious meeting your needs so whilst in your head you think i want to lose weight subconsciously this is saying to you no we don't because that will create uncertainty that we don't like we don't know what the world looks like if we're if we're, we lose weight what happens do we lose our friends do we lose our family what changes we just don't know and we're not comfortable with that so to overcome that you need to try and meet your need for certainty and control in healthier and conscious ways there's lots of different ways to do that and again too much is going to go into for the purposes of this episode but as a little tip just sit down and write, you know, what is there in your life that you have certainty over? It, it may be that you, you know, you, you have no certainty over your, or control over your finances. Your Finances are everywhere. And whilst this sounds mad, if you take control over your finances and give yourself certainty in that area, it can help to meet that need for certainty, which then you don't need by overeating. And it feels like those two things are not connected, but they are. Because it's that need being met in different ways. Um. Second one is the need for significance and feeling special. Now, this is a massively counterintuitive one because people will often say to me, yeah, we always think feeling special, feeling significant has to be a positive thing. And that's not true. We can feel significance and feel special through bad things in our life or in inverted commas, bad things, things that we perceive to be bad. So things like health problems, addictions, being overweight. These are all things that give us some level of significance if we can eat a lot of food that can make us feel special go back to the programming stuff from when you're a kid i used to feel special that i was praised for eating everything on my plate so now i don't get that praise i'll, I'll go to my mum's for dinner and if she's given me more food than i can eat i'll leave it whereas in the past i would make sure i ate it all so i would get that praise to feel special but now i have found other ways in my life to feel special in healthy ways so i don't need that praise anymore which means I can let go of it and I can just not eat the food that's on the plate if I don't want to. I'm full. It's all these are all different things coming together to, to tie in. So yeah, that feel it might feel counterintuitive. You might it might click with you straight away. You might go, yeah, actually I do. You might you might have a character around being big. You might, you know, the, the big funny person or the, the big charismatic person, whatever it is, traditionally, stereotypically, whatever it is, the significance another way you get significance is if you talk about it all the time so if you're constantly talking about dieting if you're constantly talking about trying to lose weight you will get significance from that because and that ties into another one the need for love and connection you'll be getting significance and love and connection from the same thing so you can see how being overweight while in our heads we don't like it subconsciously from a needs perspective it's meeting at least three of the needs so the key is to try and find different ways to meet these needs so the love and connection thing for example You may tell people you're overweight and you may tell people about dieting and they may say to you, oh, you don't need to lose weight. You're gorgeous. You're great the way you are, which is true. And we'll come on to. But at the same time, you're meeting your need for connection and significance by being overweight. So a very simple way to start addressing that is stop talking about it. Stop using it as a way. Start to consciously notice every time you do that and stop doing it. Because in a very gentle and kind way, this is not. we don't want to stop beating ourselves up about it because that keeps us trapped in the loop. In a very kind way, say, oh, I've just noticed that. Okay, time to stop talking about this because it's given us significance. It's given us connection. Let's find that connection and significance in healthier ways. And then we won't need it over here. As I say, that is a very quick run-through of those things. I'll link to the, to the multiple personality videos. If you've got any questions about it, get in touch with me. The last couple of bits... This is a very important bit, which I don't know whether I said enough or at all in the session. Fundamentally, what this comes down to is low self esteem, low self worth, and feelings that we're not good enough. So, if we keep ourselves trapped in a loop of telling ourselves we're not good enough, we're never going to get out of it. So, if you're telling yourself the story that you, and this is what most of us do, right? We, we'll tell ourselves we will be good enough once we've lost weight. Once I've lost five stone, in my head, I'll be good enough. If we don't use those words, we'll say something else. I'll be happy. But deep down what we mean is I'll be good enough or once I get over this addiction or once I'm not ill anymore or once I don't have this chronic pain, it's all the same thing we're we're keeping trapped in. Once I don't feel anxious all the time, once I don't have anger issues, what we've got to do is start getting to a place where we can train ourselves to love ourselves deeply inside and feel good enough as we are now. It's one of the most counterintuitive parts about this work because we've been trained deep down our whole lives to not think we're good enough because of all these things the problem is if we if we try and become good enough by focusing on external things we never get there it's why there's always something else and that's why the deeper part of this work is so important and it's why when i work with people on this stuff we focus on the feelings of not being good enough and low self-worth and where they come from and fix them Rather than focusing on, at the end of the day, weight issues, addictions, health problems, they're all symptoms. So we go down into the deeper rooted rooted stuff in order to come back up and address this stuff. But it's worth mentioning now, that's really important to know that you are good enough as you are. You don't need to lose weight. You're a a good human being and that's okay. If you're a little bit overweight, that's okay. If you like to eat a bit of food when other people don't, that's okay. We're all just flawed human beings at the end of the day. So start telling yourself gently and kindly that you're okay as you are. Be kind to yourself in your own mind. That takes practice in itself. Again, a whole another topic. And last but not least, I will re- reiterate this one last time. For the benefit of any of my old personal trainers who are still watching, they may have turned off swearing at the screen a long time ago. <laughs> but this is just the basis. This is just all about the foundations of how you can really address the root of any weight issues. If you wanna get in great shape, if you wanna be as healthy as you can possibly be, if you want your body to be as good as it it can be, you still need to exercise and you still need to eat good food. That isn't addressed by this. For me, this is a foundational thing that you can then build on top of. It's the same in every other aspect of your life. Once you've built, built strong, solid foundations, then what you build on top of that is solid. If you go straight, I know people who used to be addicted to something else and then started going to the gym and they just swapped one addiction for another. And on the surface, that's great. Yeah, like, okay, it's better to be addicted to going to the gym than it is to be addicted to drugs or alcohol. And it's still an addiction. You haven't dealt with the root cause. You haven't dealt with the issues, the underlying issues. This stuff helps you deal with the underlying issues and then build on top of it. So when you're building on top of it, it's healthier. It's better for you generally. I hope that all makes sense. There is a lot in there. As I say, if you've got any questions, drop me an email questions at paul 7 the free chapters of my book are still available and will be available forever. Um, if you've not read them or listened to them yet, go to paul 7 cocom slash free chapters, and you can download the written or the audio versions, whichever you prefer. There is no, there's no strings attached to that, by the way, whatever. If you listen to them or read them, you'll be added to my mailing list. If you wanna come off the mailing list, you can just unsubscribe. No strings attached. That's it, hope it helped. Get in touch with any questions.